Welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark, everybody. We've got, um, well, uh, a different sort of episode. So instead of us uh, doing a normal thing where everybody brings a topic, um, I guess you could say we brought on a person who uh, has uh, all sorts of things to talk about that we, we're not really on the inside of. So we're, we're just interested to ask, to ask questions. So joining us today, uh, uh, Leighton Uthausen. Did I nail the pronunciation? Yeah, it's close enough. Think of who stays <laughs> in that house, and that's good. <laughs> okay. So you are Area 2 Director right now. I am. Uh, running for re-election for Area 2 Director. And um, the, a couple of your shooting accomplishments that I think are really pretty relevant is you're, you're not, uh, you're a fairly high-level shooter, right? You don't suck at shooting, in fairness. That's a compliment coming from you. Well, no, I mean, so what, you master, grandmaster shooting, uh, shooting open. You're shooting big matches all over the place. And I think it informs your... Uh, you're shooting that you shoot international matches. You've been going to Europe and shooting there as well. And sure. I've, I've seen you quite vocal online, just sharing that experience with people, kind of saying that that's important. So that I think that's relevant. Yeah. Uh, also today, Juanse uh, Kim. Hello. Hello. Tyler, Tyler Turner, call him Sweet Tea sometimes. Hi, everyone. And uh, Mr. Matt Hopkins is also here. Hello. So uh, since you're running for election, or re-election, I should say, for the board of directors on USPSA. This is a good time to have you on and have a conversation about uh, what it means to be, well, Mr. Kim has some questions like, what is a board, a board of directors member? What do they do? What kind of decisions do they make? Um, what's kind of going on with the organization? And then talk about some you know, specific points because you got, you got an opportunity to put your views in Front Sight magazine. So, uh, you know, we read that. We've got questions for you and questions about I mean, your opponent's views. But the idea... I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I foresee you winning re-election handily. Um, you're not really here to campaign, I don't think. Uh, I think it's just more a chance for us to know what's going on. If, does that make sense? The first time around was more of a campaign for me. Um, and, and I felt kind of bad for uh, all my, uh, do we call them opponents, really? I don't really like that word. Yeah, not, I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. view Danny Inter as anyone's opponent, really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we're all on the same page. We're all trying to get the same things done. And, and I just wanted it, you know, pretty much. And uh, this time around, I'm much more relaxed about it. Um, you know, if I win, that's great. If I don't win, uh, my, my uh, the other candidate, uh, Brian Porter, is a good guy. I have no problem with him. I'll support him if he, uh, if he wins election. And we'll go from there. And, and I know he'll support me, too. So. All right. Well, Mr. Kim, I think you've got the yes. uh, maybe the most important question for yes. people. So uh, I, I read the article or your, so to say, plans, like what you want to do. Um, so when I was reading, I was questioning, hey, uh, as an area director, some of those things, for example, like I, one of the things I really liked about was a full-time marketing department. And I was wondering those kind of decisions. Uh, I was wondering who makes those decisions. And I was wondering what kind of decisions the area directors make and what kind of um, duty they have. Could you explain for people who don't know? Let me give you the official response and then I'll tell you what I think. Mm -hmm. uh, officially, the area directors don't have all that much to do with decision making and with strategy and with what day-to-day -day functions are and what USPSA does and, and what the president does, where he travels, what he does, et cetera. We, we for the most part, have no impact or even decision making on on any of that type of stuff. So the things that you saw in my list there are things that I would like to see done, but the chance of me pulling that off as an area director is, is slim. 
now I will say that you know when we all get together and 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 in board meetings and when we get together down in Florida for the for the annual meetings, there is a very strong cohesive group and we really do work hard and I know that sometimes people think that we all sit down there and do nothing but but you know we all work really hard at trying to good, make good decisions so when you ask about what are what are kind of what are our tasks and so forth it's because we try and influence what is being done you know we look at the rules uh, that are presented to us uh, mostly by Mike Foley and by Jake or by Troy and we look and say okay we think this or we think that and then it's it's there's a discussion about it and then we make a Basically, we vote on that. And for the most part, the discussions almost always push us to the point where we're all voting much the same thing. So when you see these votes and it's all the same, it doesn't mean we all agree to start off with. It means we're trying to find a consensus so that we kind of come across as being a, a cohesive board as opposed to, you know, fighting with each other. Now, having right. said that, there's lots of times that I don't agree with what a lot of other people are doing, but we'll get to that secondly. Uh, well, I mean, it, it that's actually a good question for me because I mean I'm going to paint with a pretty broad brush here. So if I look at the if I look at the board minutes, um, I mean over the, some span of time over a year or two, I I think it's fair to say most issues most of the time appear to be more or less unanimous votes. Sure, that, I mean that's the way really, it is. Yep. Yeah, so even I mean most stuff that you guys vote on is pretty pretty benign as far as we're concerned, like procedural stuff or whatever. But I mean. I mean, people get the perception. I mean, I get the perception of the outsider, like the board kind of acts as as one group, kind of in the way you described. I don't think it's anything nefarious or weird. You just right. get in a room and, and, and chat, and then I mean, it, it's kind of becomes one voice together at the end. Correct. And 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 sometimes, you know, Mike will take a kind of like an interim, like, okay, what are your thoughts on this? And then run around the room, you know, start off with each area, and we'll discuss it, and then we get a chance to say it, and and. You know, being that I'm area two, ironically, I end up being the second person because he starts at area one and he goes two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And and I probably have more to say than what most of the other directors have to say, whether that's good or bad, I can't actually say. Um, and then at the end, we kind of try and move towards a common consensus. So when you see the final vote, yes, it is that, but it doesn't mean that everybody agreed right to start off with. Okay. Um, what are, I mean, is You've done with that line of questioning, Mr. Kim, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So, Leighton, like, what are the issues that you see right now? Um, kind of larger issues, like how, the, where USPSA is going as an organization. Uh, kind of where do you see this thing headed, or, or what are the the larger goals? Because I assume the board has some sort of goals that they've agreed on on some level that kind of direction they're trying to push things. Sure. Yeah. So most of that comes from. HQ from from Mike and from Jake and from Troy uh, and to some extent Gary Nash but 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 there's no question that Mike drives the the train so you know they'll come up with ideas they'll come up with strategies and then we'll look at that and say yes that's a good idea or that's not a good idea where I feel and and if you're asking me and and I'm not saying and I want to be real clear well, well hold on say, hold on before before you say what you're gonna before you get to that I'm curious what do you feel like is the the goal right not I mean not so much the the way that you're choosing to get there but where sure. like Where's, Where should we yeah, go? Right. Yeah. So, so right now we have 35,000 members, and I think that's pretty, pretty amazing. I think we're the biggest shooting organization in the U.S. My feeling is we should be 10 times that size. We should have two or 300,000 members. We should be running far more competitions. We should be getting into where people are buying guns. I mean, if I remember correctly, in March we sold like 3.6, I think, million or something like that. Or, or I should say that we didn't sell those guns, but that's how many Nick units, Nicks were run. Um, you know, where are all those people? We should be doing more. Or we 
We should be trying to get those people in. But when I say we should be, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not saying Mike's screwing up or, or anybody's doing anything wrong. I just wish that we could get more into the nitty gritty of people. You know, I go to these classes and I travel around and I talk to people all day. I mean, I probably never stop talking to people. And it's hard to get them involved in our game. And I think we should do more of that as opposed to just working with the group that we have now, you know, the 35,000 members of which, I don't know, roughly two thirds of them are active and the rest of them are membership just by name, you know? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so what sorts of, I, I guess now it's time to, to talk about the mechanism then. So what sorts of things are kind of on the table to, to bring in those people that, you know, that, that's, do you mean, wait, your view I assume is kind of the majority view on the, of, of the board and the, the president, like, hey, we, let's get ten times more. Like, that's that's where what we want to do. That's that's sure. not controversial, I'm guessing. Right, and 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 I guess I should also, you know, put in that that you know, I think what they're doing is is really good. And I'm not just saying that because they're on the board or whatever. I really genuinely think that Mike and his team do a good job. What my issue is, is that we should we should try and get out more. In other words, you know, right now USPSA works for the members. We generate. You know, our, our revenue comes from, you know, classifiers and from match fees and from uh, advertising and from various things like that. Um, and that gets spent on running those activities. We don't have a, a huge budget that goes outside of that. You know, we don't uh, spend a lot of money. You know, for instance, we do no SEO marketing and we do no cost per click uh, type stuff. It's just not something that USPSA currently agrees with. And, and obviously I come from that world in business where we spend, I spend probably 120 to $150,000 a year on SEO. And, and I think USPSA should be doing more of that to draw in people that are not otherwise already part of our organization per se. So I don't know if that answers your question, but um, you know, can I, do I think we can head in that direction? Absolutely we can, but right now that's just not a philosophy that is shared either by, by headquarters or by the board. Uh, which part, that, the, the specific tactic of um... Uh, sort of online marketing and they paid online marketing. I imagine the money sure. is the bone. Is the money is the bone of contention? Like we don't want to spend money on that. Yeah, and I think that the reason for that, not I think the reason that is being presented to me is that we don't want to spend money on that when you know we have enough business and we have enough people that are already coming in and shooting our matches. We have, you know the nationals is almost always full. Um, I almost said if it's in, unless it's in frostproof, but. Um, I don't want to get into trouble here, but you know, oh. they are, if you look at some of the area matches, let's look at those, the area championships, area two, area one, area four, area seven and eight, they're all absolutely packed. I mean, it's ridiculous how fast those matches fill up and yet we're not doing enough to generate more of those types of things. Um, and, and again, I'm not criticizing. I just think we should be doing more. Now, what's the problem with that? You take area two, which is my area, of course, Rio Salado, you know, we've got to have a, we've got to find more range facilities and. You know, maybe we should make the area matches only the top shooters that come in there. And that's that's another strategy that Mike and and uh, probably Mark, probably half the board don't agree with. They feel that the top shooter aspect of our sport is irrelevant. It doesn't matter how good you or I or Wansik or anybody else is. Sorry, Sal, I don't mean to pick, leave you out. No, of no, that. of course, of course. They, that's just not their emphasis. That's why the emphasis is not on juniors and on ladies and on on the different category divisions. You know, it's basically just on looking after the, the the club matches and the little guys and the people that just want to shoot and have fun. I think that they should be putting a lot of emphasis into using the top guys. But the top guys have also shot themselves in the foot. You know, they don't come in, they don't do enough to, I think, promote USPSA. I'm not thinking on you when I say that. I just think that it's it's across the board. You know, if I call up. Uh, you know, if I need something done or whatever, and I call up, 
with half a dozen of the top guys, it's very difficult. It's like pulling teeth to get them to support what we need to do. So that's so if that's not if I'm explaining this correctly, we no, need no, to do I, all of that kind of stuff and get it out more. But we don't do that. That's just not their philosophy. So um, I would say I, I don't. It's not so much about top shooters specifically, but if I'm if I'm hearing you, you feel that having that having top shooters for people to shoot against is important. Like I'm, Absolutely. And, and that's not shared. Why, why do you shared? get invited to come to a match? Why do I mean, I'm not a top shooter. I consider myself like a third tier shooter. Right. So you and Nielsen, yeah, and Max, Casey, first year, I'm third tier, but I still get invites to come to a match because people want to shoot against a good shooter. But they don't see it that way. They basically well, see it as being it's different. Well, let me let me um, kind of I'll, I'll kind of make it a story or like kind of put a, uh, I'll describe a circumstance and maybe that'll highlight this kind of difference of opinions. Does that sound good? Sure. I mean, not be, not between me and you. Just I'm trying to understand where different people are. Um, so let's say we have a, a big match that's kind of that's sold out, and right. I like I know for a fact. I mean, in most circumstances, if there's a, a big match that I want to go shoot, it will not matter to me if it's sold out. I, I don't have to be pushy or be an asshole or anything. I can just send an email like, hey, I'd love to come to your match. And the match director will probably quietly, like, yep. I mean, they'll just be like, yep, they'll just like, they'll overfill a squad. They'll, they'll make, a, make a, a place for me yep. at that match if I choose. Absolutely. Yeah. They do that. Right. So um, I think some people would look at that and say, hey, that's not fair. I don't like that. Like, sure. I wait in line. Why don't you wait in line? And other people would look at that. I mean, with the proportions, I don't really know. But other people would look at that and say, hey, I don't really care about the line. Like, I go to these matches to shoot against or test my skills against people like that. And it doesn't matter that I, I don't think I'm going to beat that person at this match, but I want them there and I want to see kind of how I stack up because that's why I'm doing this and that's why I'm in that thing. Right. Does that sound fair? Absolutely. And I mean, if we, you know, often you, you know the story, you'll get people to say, yeah, I don't care about the competition. I don't care what my time is and so forth. Well, then my standard answer there is fine. Then I'll just put the timer down and when you're ready, let me know and you can start the stage. They're like, no, 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 I want you to time me. I'm like, I thought you didn't care about the time. If you didn't care about the time, then why would we care about you know, running it, et cetera. I, I believe that a huge proponent, sorry, a huge component of our sport is the competitive side of it. I don't care if you're plinking away and just having fun with your buddies, et cetera, et cetera. It's still a competitive game. Um, and so therefore, you know, it does matter to a lot of people, in my opinion. And again, I'm not the only, but I'm one of the few people that feels this at the, at the board level, but it does matter, in my opinion, that the top guys are there. So, now we go down the line. So what do we do then? Let's take a match. Let's use a match that's not in the U.S. So I don't hurt anybody's feelings. Take the match that Wansik has been to, and I think you've shot as well the match, the CZ Extreme in, in Europe, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so that match this year, I didn't get in for whatever reason. I signed up, and for whatever reason, the money didn't arrive in time, blah, blah, blah. And when they found out, they, they gave me a slot. And I, but they said, well, we, we give you a slot, but we, you can't tell anybody. I'm like, there's no way that I can sneak in and shoot that match and not be knowing that I'm there. You know what I mean? So why would they care about getting those shooters in? They care because they want the top guys to compete. And that's a match with 1,100 people taking part. You no, know, I mean, I, I should say, I've, sh I've shot that match before and they don't charge me. Yeah, you see. Well, I still pay because I'm not, not at that level. But well, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's a, that, that's a decision that's on their true. part. It's like they want to incentivize sure. me coming. Absolutely. I mean, not that, not that it matters in the, in the context of flying, like buying a ticket to fly to Europe and accommodation there and all of that stuff. Like the money... 
on top of that for the start fee for the match means nothing to me or, or that it's, it's irrelevant, but it's a gesture on their part that right. they want me to go. Gives them credibility, gives them that they're getting the top guys in town. Because obviously, if they don't get that, then they, they're not going to be, you're not going to have people competing against the best. Now, not everybody, like you said, and I completely agree, not everybody has the same opinion. I mean, I listen to your podcast and, and, you know, one day you'll say something and I'll be uh, perfectly agree with that. And then you'll say something else. And I don't agree with that. That's fine. I mean, that's OK. Yeah. We all eight type personalities. But this seems like a very fundamental disagreement. I mean, I'm right. shocked what you're saying that pe people don't don't care. It's not that if there's top shooters themselves they're, that they're not important or no particular individual. But the fact that there are you mean, these these guys that are really talented or driven or in my case, like lucky, maybe. Uh, so there's these guys that are. You put up good match performances, and people do want to shoot against those people. And I think your most serious USPSA shooters want to shoot against those people, in my view. Well, and and Leighton, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think what I'm hearing you say is that the prevailing, or at least the majority opinion of of the board, the executive, uh, the executive uh, officers of USPSA, uh, the attitude is. We're going to focus on Joe C class, the mass market. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to put less of a focus on high level competitors. And I, I would think that would trickle down into the prerogatives and the priorities of the board as it relates to, to competition sure. and marketing and um, match administration, right? Absolutely. Rules. Correct. Well, let me throw something else in, and then you can, you can use that in your discussion. So, do you think USPSA should be run as a business? What's your answer to that? Absolutely not. Perfect. Being honest, absolutely no. I want sick. What do you think? Uh, I think well, the sport. It's yeah, fundamentally, it's a sport, but I think it's got to be bigger sport. Like a maybe not to the point. It's American football or baseball, but I think the business side actually will bring certain part of the uh, participants. Some people, some participants will participate due to having fun uh, or being athletic. Uh, some participants will definitely participate because they're in the business, like a gun industry. So I think it's not uh, we only go for business. I think it's balanced thing. So business definitely has to be there, in my opinion. But the focus and the service has to be for the athletes. I agree. The so now USPSA. I, I first came into this game. Sorry, Tyler, go. I, I was going to say, USPSA should be run like a business to the extent we remain solvent. We have to pay our bills. Just like wait, 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 hold, hold on, let me, let me put a question to you, and I, or a point of view. So in my view, um, uh, USPSA, like, I mean, the organization is one thing, but we have this practical shooting sport, which is separate from the organization. It's a sport of practical shooting. Yes. The organization is here to serve the sport, the sportsman, in my view. Like, we have this thing we like doing. We need a rule set. We don't want it to be a disaster. We travel to different places, don't know the rules, don't know what's going on. And I think the organization primarily should serve that interest. I mean, secondarily, I mean, I, honestly, the, the way things are, the dynamics of this thing, and the way it's set up now is the organization pulls in a lot of money. And I, I would think more than is needed to accomplish that, to, to accomplish those basic tasks of having a rule set, having an NROI, having all, you know, administrating a nationals, all these things that, that I think are necessary and important and have to happen. And then, I mean, as that money comes in, then, yeah, like 
using that money wisely to, I mean, further the interests of the sport. Like that, that to me is important. Like that's that, that, but that's a secondary thing, very secondary. So, I mean, what's your reason? involved in this thing. I thought, and I, and if you go back, probably I said it in my last election as well, that USPSA needs to be run as a business, but it's more, and at the time, what I meant by that was, like Tyler just said, it needs to be, uh, it needs to stay solvent, it needs to pay its bills, it needs to have a little cash on the side for things like this crazy corona time that we've got, etc. But other than that, they should be spending the money on services and on uh, getting out there and doing things and so forth, right? Now I see USPSA is more as a business, and that's something that I would like to see changed as well. And I have voice. Wait, you'd like to see that change? I'd like to see it more run as a service to the to the members oh. and student community. Okay. Sorry, well, yeah, no, that's interesting to hear you say that because look, you have an opportunity to put stuff in front site. In front sure. site, I read through what do you feel USPSA is doing right, and then what do you feel USPSA is doing wrong. I think you wrote 600 or 500 words on this subject. And I don't want to- Too much. Jake may be cut back. <laughs> oh no, fair, fair enough. But as I read through this, I mean, I, I don't want to unfairly characterize this, but it's about membership numbers is what I'm seeing. We need sure. to develop more majors. And you, you top it off this, we have consumers who want our product. The market is there. As long as the match is well-organized, well-run and fun to attend, shooters will come. Now, I've always thought that I am a sportsman to be served by the organization, not a consumer to have a brand. The USPSA is a brand marketed to me. Like, so what you wrote down here stands on its ear, the relationship that I've always understood to exist. It's opposite to what I thought was going on or what I would like to see happen. And it's kind of, it seems contradictory to what you're saying now. So that's why I'm a little confused. Oh, and I don't mean to be confusing because I'm, you know, what I was talking about there is how things are run, right? And and the fact that we're we're Oh, this is what do you feel USPSA is doing wrong? And you're you want to you want to steer into this stuff. I mean, okay. this is what what you wrote appears to be completely opposite to what you're saying. Well I mean, my I'm I'm not again, I'm not trying to characterize this wrong. Sure. This is a different message. Let me pull it up real fast. Let's see. I've now switched to different computers, so I can't pull that up. I, no, like, no, I've, of course. Um, but but no, I mean the, the bottom line is what I'm saying is what I is what I mean is that is that I feel that we should be focusing a lot more on expanding, on spending money on the membership, on more matches, on expanding the the ranges. We should, and that's something I didn't put in the article, uh, and I kind of regretted it after. No, I no, you, no, you covered that. You you got oh, okay. it. Our current okay. membership is 35,000, Area 2 has 6,000 members. We have 90 clubs in Area 2. You make it clear here, we're going to expand, uh, yeah, more matches, more membership, more sure. members, okay. right? Okay. Yeah, you, you make that view clear. I, I don't, I mean, I should say, I don't view necessarily more matches as being good for me, the competitor. Like, more match. I mean, you I should get into matches. My, my problem is that I get emails and messages and texts from people that can't get in, like Area 2, for example. It filled up in two and a half minutes or something like that. Um, now what I do with them, you know, it's not fair for them not to be able to shoot their own area match. So uh, yeah, you know, that we should expand those things. And, and I'm not picking on any one individual. I think this goes across the board. If you look right. at, there's lots of matches where, where you guys go to where we can't get into. Of I couldn't get into seven, I think last year. But bringing, bringing more shooters in, like more, just having more participation in the sport seems to be counter to 
Well, it's going to make it harder to get into matches, won't it? So, do, do we have the infrastructure to accommodate? You you mentioned up to tenfold, and I understand that that yeah. we're, this is just we're just talking out loud here, thinking out loud. Sure. I get that, but let's say we have tenfold new members. Like, how do we accommodate accommodate those with our infrastructure? Like, we've uh, got to expand the infrastructure. We've got to develop more facilities, train more people, train more. Uh, match staff, uh, you know, have more rangers get involved. You know, we've got to go out. There's lots and lots of clubs out there that are not running USPSA matches. We should be sending somebody to those clubs or members go to those clubs and saying, hey, won't you guys uh, run a USPSA match for us once a week or once a month or whatever it is? Um, and Because, I mean, we have a, and I mentioned this in the article, that, that we have a product that people want to buy. We have an industry, gun industry, that is selling guns by exponential numbers, and yet we're not drawing those people into our game. Now, is that our fault or is that USPSA's fault? I don't mean initially mean that it's anyone's fault. I just feel that we should be doing more of that. You know, well, the, the, you, well, I guess like fundamentally, do you feel it's productive to think of USPSA, the sport, as a product to be sold to people? Um, I, I mean, I should, I should say, USPSA, but the sport, surely, yes, I do think well, of I that. I should say, speaking for myself, when I saw, I saw a Shooting USA clip on the internet, I remember this, it was the fall of 2004, I saw a clip of Rob Latham doing some IDPA stuff with barricades, and I was like, that looks, that's a sport I want to do. Sure. Like, that sort of thing. And nobody had to sell me on that. I just looked at that and I, that looks like, that dude looks like he has two dicks. I mean, right. and it's awesome. He's shooting fast. He's gonna almost. He's doing all this cool stuff. Like I want to do that. You on that, by the way. But anyway, you're a different guy. You understand your personality, your drive. I mean, you went from nobody to somebody in a relatively short space of time because you put your effort into it, and you studied, and you trained, and you dry fired, etc. Not everybody's in that category. But the fact is that there are. We're not trying to satisfy everybody the same way. What we're trying to do, or what we should be trying to do, is getting more people involved. Like, for instance, I think we should be developing more clubs with new, with, with, um, I'm sorry, more matches with clubs that we don't even know about right now, right? Um, and we should be helping train them. I mean, I, uh, I mentioned in the article, if we should bring in a guy like uh, what I call a club coordinator or whatever title you want to give him, and everyone's into these titles, and have that guy specifically tasked with going around and training clubs, training people how to hold matches, have some kind of a club manual or an operating manual or a, or a, a protocol thing, whatever it is, and that guy travels around or girl travels around the country and teaches them. Somebody that's enthusiastic and super outgoing, you know, you like a PR type person. And you say, well, you know, are we trying to satisfy, you know, we're trying to draw people in by selling them our product. Yeah, I think we are. You know, that way we can build the organization. We can generate more funds, which will make USPSA super happy. And then that way they can actually use that money and spend it on developing more exponential things after that. I mean, it's like in my business, we run a dog training school, right? Christopher is yeah. in charge of all the signups. If he gets all the classes are filling up because he's doing a great job on, on uh, SEO and everything, and he goes to the general manager and says, okay, those classes are full, and everybody's always so proud. Well, we're full for the next three months. And I cringe when I hear that because if I wanted to train my dog, I want to train my dog now, not in three months' time. So it's the same with shooting. If well, I want I to shoot this, I don't this, want to wait till I can get in. Well, this is a great way to kind of juxtapose the different views because I, I do similar. I do training. I do, And sure. for me, if, if I have all my classes are full for the next three months, I'm, I don't view it as a – it's like, well, I, I do pr – I mean, primarily it's a, it's a passion project for me. I, I enjoy teaching and kind of advancing 
practical shooting to the extent that I can and writing stuff. I mean, that's, I mean, that's my focus and interest, but um, I know that, I mean, putting on more classes for me or doing more business just for business's sake, that, that doesn't really improve the product. And I, and I care about, you know, the product or like advancing. Yes. What's that? Why did you and Awansik team up for really to deliver to deliver the product in a more interesting way, or to bring to bring another guy yeah. in and build to build honestly to build training group to me is uh, sure. uh, building something bigger than my it's bigger than myself really, um, but it's about bringing so in more ideas. What's that? You can only do so much. So you bring in Awansik, and then you've got other guys. I mean, I was looking at the list of people you've got uh, for your um, for your seminar that's coming up. I mean, you've uh -huh. got like. 10, 12 people in that list, right? Yeah, and but Layton, here's, here's what you're missing. The seminar costs 100 bucks. We're I not saw that. doing it to yeah. make money. I actually had a note on my thing like, what the hell, 100 bucks? Because it's and, a passion project. It's not about that, the money. That's fine. I love that. But you I and mean, I both know a lot of the instructors charge a lot more than that. And that's fine. I think to each their own. I mean, I, I'll pay somebody, I don't want to mention numbers, but I'll pay somebody substantially more because I want to go train with that guy, right? But but that's outside of the cat range of somebody else. And that's fine. You know, there are trainers out there, yourself being included. When I looked at that hundred bucks, I was like, is that hundred bucks per day? Or is that like per, per module? Or is that, you know, how does that work? And, and that's awesome that you would do that, that you guys would do that. I love that. And I, I think we should be promoting more of that. That's, by the way, something I think USPSA should be promoting more of. Leighton, what, what happens, what has to happen to the sport, the game itself, to be mass marketed and thus mass consumed? Because it seems to me we have a niche sport. We are narrow casting our message. What happens when you try to take a narrow casted product and broadcast it? You, you see what I'm saying? Like what sure. has to change about it? Let's just, let's grant for the purposes of discussion that we need to product our brand to a mass market, what must change about our sport to make that successful? I think the approach of USPSA should change. Um, and that's not gonna change right now because the person that makes that decision doesn't feel that that's a necessary change that we should be making. And there's nothing that anybody can do about that. That when we elected Mike as president, and he was reelected last year, that that basically gave him the moratorium to just continue doing what he's doing. And, I, and Mike does a good job, as I said. I mean, we we are liquid. We've made money over the last couple of years. The, the, we've paid our bills. We've expanded, blah, 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 all that stuff. It's, it's awesome what he's done. I just feel that we should be doing more. And he knows that I've said this. What um, I'm asking is how must the sport change if we are to mass market it and have people mass consume it? Is it, mar is it mass marketable in its current sure. form, the sport? Our rule set, right? Is. Look at look at some of the other sports out there. Both the, the, the archery sports. Uh, look at look at how tennis has grown. You know, I'm close to tennis because my best friend's a pro tennis player, and so I get to see because I travel with them sometimes. I get to see what it looks like when they have these youngsters that they're drawing into the the mold. And I haven't even got into that subject. I don't even think I brought it up in my in my article. But um, you know, drawing juniors. I don't want to use the word juniors. Let's just talk about drawing kids our kids, friends of kids, into the sport and training them in helping us run the matches, for example. That's a whole different discussion for another time. But, you know, by drawing more of that in, we're training them at a young age, and those kids later on will be the ones that will make decisions for us. And I realize that we lose them at 18 to 23 because they go to college and all that stuff. 
but we certainly can expand the brand. We can expand it to that. We can expand it to the, the huge Second Amendment uh, community that's out there. And I don't think we need to step on toes from a, I mean, I did a class the other day with Tim Heron where, where I was probably the only serious competitive shooter there. And most of the other guys there were, were self-defense, you know, what do you guys call them? Tackies? Timmies. Timmies, Timmies. And, and it's funny because when I showed up there and they, they were using appendix rigs, I was like, oh, I'm at the wrong class, you know. But Tim no, no. and I, and, and it was great. And, and we had a great time. And since then, the one guy and I have become really good buddies, you know. Um, and, and I'm actually going to go shoot against them one of these days. We're using an appendix rig, which scares the hell out of me. But, um, you know, I think, I think we can do those things together. The, you know, competition is just fun, but it's still, it's still something that everybody can do. And you say we're a niche sport. Do you really think we're that small of a niche? I mean, how many people are buying the same guns that we're trying to, that we use in, you know, in production and in all the I, others? I say we're a niche sport because look at the popularity of our sport and the mass appeal as compared to bowling. Sure. Bowling. Bowling alley on you know, every second street. And there's, there's much more marketing that's gone into that. I mean, you want to use bowling. I'm not, I used to bowl seriously many years ago, and oh my gosh, those guys never let you go. You know, you're in there, you're in as a team. They bring in this whole team concept. We've never done stuff like that. You know, if you if you go to a range and you don't and, and you're on your own or you're not with your little clicky group, I don't mean you personally, but I mean if we show up and we're not with well, a clicky it's, group, it's clicky. Everybody's in a click these days. Yeah, it is. That's, I mean, okay. look at squatting. That you know, the fa the funniest thing that changed with with practice score was the ability for us to squat ourselves at matches because before that it was a nightmare trying to squat at matches. Because of the click stuff. But that's fine. It's okay. I don't care. Um, but I think we definitely can get into something like that. You know, we have, for instance, Rio Salada the other day. I was talking to the one section coordinator and I said, why are we only running, you know, a particular match in the morning and then another, another flight two hours later? And he's like, yeah, we're talking about running a flight in the night before. I'm like, let's do it. Like, I'll, I'll shoot both for that matter. I'll shoot PCC on the Friday night and then I'll shoot the same match on Saturday morning and with, with an open gun or whatever the case is. So my point is that if, the, if we train the clubs in how to do these things and we encourage them, then we will grow our sport that much faster. And I don't uh, think it's a detriment of the sport. Okay, I have uh, one more question, I guess, along the same topic. Is I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, uh, uh, well, you, I'm sure you've heard uh, the, uh, uh, I, well, let me just paint the picture. It seems to me about, what, a decade and a half ago, two decades, decades ago, the NRA made a similar decision to run it like a business, collect lots of money. Um, and it seems to me that a bunch, of, a bunch of money came in, which the establishment running the show there kind of uh, handed out to their buddies. And now their establishment running the show has imploded as a result of this. Yeah. Um, I see USPSA is kind of getting on a similar road from what I'm hearing. Uh, what would, what, would you, what would you say about that? I mean, is I that, think is that so. crazy? Well, there's two, two things about that. First of all, I don't think that any money is disappearing or anything like that. And I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm just saying oh, that. Oh, no, no. I, I, I should be more clear. Uh, I don't mean anybody stealing any money. I mean, like, uh, money just kind of gets handed out to people's buddies. Like, uh, if somebody gets hired to do a job inside of USPSA, um, like, that's usually someone that someone else knows inside the organization. I mean, it becomes right. inevitable at some point that... Uh, if they're going to be playing favorites and there's, uh, you know, sure. whatever sorts of motivations involved. Because people are people. They do people right. things. It just, sure. 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 And, and, I, and I understand what you mean by that. And I think that it's cleaned up a lot. I mean, Mike has definitely gone a long way to cleaning up the corporate side of it, the financial side. Gary Nash, the accountant guy, uh, he's a super 
super clever guy, firstly. No, I'm not accusing anybody of impropriety. I mean, like, no, no, I know, I know. I'm just saying. If NROI like hires people, I assume that the people they hire are friends or at least get along with the people running the show now. So I get along with them. So, you know, the chance of Jake Martin's hiring me to do something on marketing is probably never going to happen. But that's exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about is the larger sure. this sort of uh, this sort of an institution get, grows and the more money it attracts, kind of the I mean, the more that's going that sort of thing's going to happen. And it becomes something, an entity with uh, kind of interests of its own, like it's in USPSA sure. institution. Sure. It's in their interest to make more money and charge more money when as a sportsman, I'm sitting here being honest, like. I don't give a fuck about that, being honest. Like, I don't care how much money they have. Like, I don't care about it. As long as my, our needs are being met, like more money for its own sake, I I don't view that valuable. And what I'm saying is, it kind of strikes me as dangerous in some ways. Well, that's, I think, why you do have the board. I mean, we we see financials on on a regular basis every quarter. Um, They do a detailed uh, drill down on the financials at the end of the year. You're, you're, you, the, the, the dynamic you described earlier is that the executive kind of runs the show and the board right. is kind of, you know, it's, it's a yes or no vote. And like, basically, you guys are kind of put in a situation where it's just kind of go along, they get along sort of a thing. So right. how much? Because that, that was one of the things that I really focused I, on. I'm not accusing anyone of impropriety. Like, I'm not I'm not sure. saying money's missed. Like, looking yeah. at the financials, what I mean. That's not what I'm saying. It's it's more money just for its own sake and hiring people's friends and like. Well, the yeah. the analogy with the NRA is that they had a core purpose of advocacy at one point, and along the way, it wasn't wasn't any one thing in particular. But I, I think all organizations are susceptible to to this at some point, which is the organization becomes about perpetuating itself and its revenue as. A, to the core purpose i think that's that's the fear and i think that's a very rational fear at this point yeah and i'm not too worried about that you know when i when i say i want uspsa to devote more money and time to other things it's not because i think that they're doing anything wrong with the money that they've got other than i want them to put more money into other things you understand um i'm I'm pretty comfortable Uh, hold on just just as a counterpoint like you you uh like you have that view like hey i don't think anything wrong's happened to this money i want more money to do stuff i want to do and if everybody on the board has a different sort of pet project or a thing that they'd like to do right. and then like the dynamic that becomes dangerous is the organization attracts more money for itself and then each one of you guys i'm not saying this is happening or i'm not saying it's even nefarious but like like anybody on the board can kind of get their pet project funded and it's everybody just kind of goes along to get along. And then as a USPSA member sitting back here, it's like, I don't like the way this bus is headed, uh, but it's never going to change as long as all of the, the guys running the show have their little pet interest. I'm looked you. you see what so, I'm saying? So if somebody concern. came up with a pet project that I was not in agreement with, I guarantee I would vote against that. And I'd be vocal about it. But now so I'll give you something. So the section, I'm sorry, the club coordinator position or whatever you want to call that position, that's something that I've been pushing for and I've not had support or, or an agreement from that. So though, so far that has died. So would that be considered a pet project of mine? Sure, I guess it would. I'm not financially going to benefit from that. All right. I'm benefiting from is that that person or whatever will be able to go out and go do X, Y, Z that we said. But certainly that would be an example of a pet project. 
Um, if somebody came up, trying to think of an example right now. So, so a suggestion was made by somebody, and I, and I think I've talked about this in the past, of should USPSA fund or help smaller clubs with like buying a bunch of steel so they can run Steel Challenge, and then the clubs repay that money back to USPSA over a period of time. I think that's a great idea. Would that be a, considered a pet project? Sure, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and, and although I wouldn't benefit from that, I, I take no money from USPSA, whatever. I travel at my own dime, um, specifically because I don't want people thinking I'm doing it for that reason. Um, but, you know, would that be something that another club could benefit from or somebody in my area or a club that I'm friends with? For sure. Um, but then, of course, it is the club and the members that are benefiting. Yeah. All right. Well, that excellent discussion. I think we got to move it along to something else. There's a couple more things I want to ask about. Um, you not well, you're a listener, so you, you know that uh, uh, I find it intolerable if there's uh, basically people getting away with uh, cheating at USPSA matches, flagrantly cheating at USPSA matches. Now, I'm not here to relitigate anything. Sure. Everybody, but. Um, I'm kind of wondering, kind of wondering uh, if we're going to see some sort of structural change or something really happen with the organization. I'll, I'll, I'll call your attention. You probably don't remember reading this or writing this, but I'll read it to you. Um, early uh, spring 2019. So this is, of course, pre the uh, the blowups before the blowups that had that went on last year on this subject. Um, you, you wrote a post, a nice post for the Area Two page, and the, kind of the core element of it was this was this couple sentences. I've had a number of members reach out to me regarding the cheating scandal where scores were altered. The USPSA board has taken action as stated in the minutes. And you leave a link. You say, from my perspective, I have a serious issue with cheating. Our sport is built around accuracy and time. Scores are a critical component of what drives many of us to compete. Even if you purely shoot for fun, the correct score should always be entered. That's not a very controversial thing to say, and I'm sure we'd all agree with it. Sure. Right. Uh, is that the view of the board? Absolutely. Um, so now you're going to ask... Why do well, we no, I'm asking if you'd understand how people like us would be sort of skeptical, I mean, of that. Well, one of the people that we did ban, uh, ban permanently or whatever you want to call it, take his membership away permanently, was one yeah. of my close friends at a protege. So, and I was the one that, that stepped up and, and reported him to the board and kicked his ass and was like, what the hell, dude? And, and, it, and it's funny because that whole thing blew up because uh, somebody else got beaten by him at a match, and she was like, hey, there's no way he beat me, etc." And then I mentioned something to him because he had a night we were shooting together. He was on a different squad, but when he finished up, his scores were super fast, and I was like, wow. And I went up to him, I said, man, you really shot well tonight. And, and he was like, oh, shit, Leighton just bust me for cheating because he realized at that stage. I didn't actually realize he had changed the scores, but we did figure it out afterwards. That's how strongly I feel about it now. The problem is, and the problem we've run into, is we run into this liability stuff. And it drives me crazy on the board when we can't, one, identify who these people are, and two, put more information out there. I've had arguments about that with, with the board, but I understand why they well, feel what, that way. What sorts of information would, would what, sort, what sorts of information do you think should be put out? I think we should name who the person is, and we should, like you, whoever it is that, uh, what's it, uh, uh, that um, that page, that Instagram page, I forget the name now, but the one that they post all the cheating scores on or whatever. I'll be, um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't think those people should really be named. Okay. But that's, you know, that game is just different opinion. I personally uh, think it's named because everyone knows who they are anyway. So why not name them? But, but I understand the legalities behind that. And, and I have to abide by that because the majority of the board says we have to do that. Well, but, um, 
I, I think mostly the, the attitude among a lot of the competitors is these things get reported to DNROI. Oftentimes, and I mean, believe it or not, I mean, I'll, I'll hear, hey, I reported this and then I didn't hear back. Or, um, or you know, th things like that. They were, people report things, nothing happens. You'll have, like, whether, I mean, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't agree to it because you're inside, you're on the inside of this thing. But from an outsider's perspective, it looks sort of like the organization doesn't care. And again, that's not pointed at you as an individual, right. but so, it so looks like the organization agree. doesn't care. Okay, so now here's the thing. When you make these statements sometimes on your podcasts, I'm sitting there listening to my radio. I want to throw a brick at the freaking radio because I couldn't agree. Sorry, I couldn't disagree more with you when you said as an organization, one, they do care. No, but no, I no, 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 no. I, I'm not speaking to whether I'm not saying the organization doesn't care. I'm saying right. it appears as if they I don't. So what you see publicly and what happens behind the scenes are two completely different things. I mean, that one person, uh, I probably can't say his name, but yeah, no, there's no reason to. Everybody knows what not guilty. About. We spent like three hours going through all this stuff on the guy's scores. And, and I said, to, I'd actually looked at his videos and I'm like, buddy, you, you, didn't shoot, you didn't shoot those videos the way we did. And I've got to be super careful what I say here now. But, yeah, yeah. But, I, we're not asking, we're really not asking for specifics on sure. any case. So but don't I'm go saying, anywhere near anything that'll get you in trouble. But, but that's how much we care. We spent hours and hours going through that stuff. And me on my own time, going right. through practice score scores and looking. And there's there's other people that have been you know looked at and been had. But but do you understand? But do you understand why the perception would be there? Sure, absolutely. Because you're sitting there and you don't see what's happening on that side. And you know, should that be put out there? I mean, there's there's other discussions that go on all the time about not all the time, occasionally. I think the cheating thing has been nipped in the bud. I must be honest. I think that it's reduced. I still think there's cheating out there. But it's super difficult to catch somebody now. You know, somebody. So, for example, here's one of the issues that I always bring up. So, if you go along and you shoot shoot a target and you shoot an alpha mic on a target, and you know you shot an alpha mic, any one of us that's a decent shooter knows it's an alpha mic, right? But you basically talk the the RO into giving you a double because you think that there's an extra mark on the target. So, is that cheating? Yes. In my opinion, it is. And yes, I have a shoot with I'll say something to the shooter off. I don't give it to my best friend. You know that well, I mean, I think what you're highlighting is one of the sort of a structural issues. Like I would, I would say to you, like under no circumstances would somebody doing exactly what you described. Um, well, maybe not under no circumstances. Maybe if they went and told everybody about it after the fact. But if somebody is is arguing to to try to get something out of an RO and essentially lying, right? They're saying, right. okay, I, I I've got one hole there, and and I I'm telling you that that's that's two, and they know that the opposite is the truth, right? Like, do you foresee any set of circumstances where that person would actually be punished for that in USPSA? Probably not. That's going to be more right. of a social. You know, your buddy. Right. So, so it's getting to the point where with a 35,000 member organization, it seems like a problem to me that we would like, we both agree that's the, that's the case. No, you're not going to be punished for doing that. And we both agree that it's something that shouldn't happen, but there's no, like, there's no punishment for it. Now, knowing that somebody's doing it's a, a kind of a different question. It's a different problem. They would have to admit to it or we need like, like right. we need a little more to know that that's what happened. But in theory, if that's what takes place, I mean, that person really ought to be punished, shouldn't they? Uh, yeah, probably, or certainly some kind of consequence. I don't necessarily mean. I must tell you, I do have a a little bit of an issue of the draconian punishments that we talk about sometimes. This is so, great. Let's talk about it. Let's so, talk. so I would like there to be a tiered 
type of punishment, not just, hey, you got caught doing something wrong, and I'm not saying cheating. I think cheating right. is a and, yeah, big thing. But let's talk about the double that wasn't the double, or you know, don't you don't somebody taped your no shoot intentionally and got and to to help you. We know that stuff happens, right? I believe yes. that guy should have some penalty, but not kicked out of USPSA for life. So there should be like another tier. And I actually wrote an outline about this, but it, it didn't really go anywhere uh, as to how we could clean up some of the things, but not clean up everything. Now, you, the problem with your cheating things that you have and these scoring things, these practice score things, and I don't know if you've looked at, at the, the, obviously I'm sure you have, but the newer versions of practice score where all the stuff that Ken Nelson is having put in, where it now shows every time there's an edit, right? I have looked at, oh, I don't know, hundreds of edits, I suppose, so far, because I have access to, to more detail or more data in, in practice score. But the advantage, it's, it's super difficult sometimes, even looking at that. I mean, I had a case the other day where I was a, the person that had my score changed. And I guarantee you, I wasn't cheating the score. But I was like, oh, geez, that's going to flag up in something because I know that it looks suspicious because it was changed four or five or six minutes after the time. So it becomes very difficult to catch people that cheat and, and you know, penalize them or kick them out of the sport at that level. But I think what can happen is people in our squads, I mean, definitely, I think we, I would say something if I saw you doing something wrong. And those sure as hell, you guys, the three of you sitting there would say something, right? Well, again, it, it sort of depends on the circumstance. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, if I saw someone arguing for a double on a stage and I didn't know that person, I'm not going to say anything, I want even to though I think it's wrong. No, honestly, I'm not. Why would I? No, I, understand. Like, I, 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 I said, I said it once. Or Tyler, what do you guys think? Would you uh, point to somebody? As a com competitor level, I think it's different than organize uh, the staff at the organization level. I think the thoughts should be definitely different, of course. So, so what they're giving you is it, it's going to be a no, like because people don't typically like. It, it's fairly rude to be calling out straight, calling out strangers like that and getting into an argument. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't do that. I would need, I would need to see more. Now, if I see the same guy do it two, three times right. in a match, at that, and I start getting genuinely pissed off, yeah, I start saying, I get, I, I start saying something. But one guy arguing over one hole, just if just watching that happen, like no, I mean, I'm not going to do say or do anything about it. And I think most people wouldn't. Well, I'm, I'm all for social shaming as a, to, to correct bad behavior, but it's so situational dependent, situationally dependent. It is. And it's not really relevant to yeah, what the rules are. It's really not like organizationally. How sure. do we, how do we uh, handle infractions? I mean, this, we're talking about on the squad level, right? We're talking. Well, I'm talking about cheating at all levels. So if you have somebody, I just brought that up because you know, calling a double, in my opinion, is is a form of cheating. You know, or is cultural, right? Sure, sure. It can be. It can be pervasive throughout a, a, an organization. And so, to me, my feeling so strong that we can't tolerate cheating at any level, less it you know, in, in fact, and spread, because it's been my experience that, you know, if it, if a club at a club level, a squad level, yeah, real easy club level, easy. And people travel the stuff, you know, if you get away with something here, you'll get away with something there. And right. I, it spreads like cancer. Cheating is cancer 
And that's why I think organizationally, USPSA, the board of directors specifically, some scheme, whatever it is, something, we have to make it so abundantly clear that cheating is not tolerated in the sport, that people live in true fear of not getting to participate. Right. If why do you think, Tyler, that it's... So, so let me ask you guys a question. What makes you think that the board doesn't take it seriously? Um, well, there'll be a, a few, a couple issues specifically. So, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but that, sure. that one issue we all know about, that's a big black eye for the organization. And then I'll be honest, uh, the practice score data, which I believe was given to someone in the organization, I'm talking about the people inside practice score who scraped their data, who... Uh, come and, and they posted it online it was like hey um that that like this individual over here with like some ridiculous number of edits 20 or 30 edits like i'm sure that data was sent to uspsa and uh, i can't see that anything anything's been done with it so if if you have a list of 30 40 50 names um, i'm not saying you do but i the guys at practice score do i'm sure i'm certain of that they've said as much um they have this list of 30, 40, 50 names of people with an exorbitant number of edits. I'm not saying they're all cheating, but I'm certain that some of them are. Sure. And the fact that it hasn't been looked into, nothing's come down from that, nothing actually has happened, like that these people have not been, like, been, been looked at and been run out of the organization on a, on a bus. Yes, that, I, I would look at that and say, it looks like the organization doesn't care from where I sit. And it's like, well, we can talk about what we care all the much. They just weren't publicly looked at because, as you know, right, again, like, but that's a precarious subject. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if, if 10 or 20 members didn't get uh, kicked out of the organization as a result of that data, then the organization failed to properly look at that data and assess it and investigate what was going on there. That's sure. my read on it. There's no way that any reasonable person would look at that amount of like that amount of edits and then start actually looking at each case systematically, case by case, person by person, actually go and ask questions. There is no way. This, this is the kind of thing like you, it becomes a priority. You drop all other business until you've cut the cancer. In this case, people, cancerous people out of the sport. In my opinion, you know, that's priority number one. We're talking about Spanish Inquisition. You know, right. I'm not and I'm not talking about like throwing people out when like they have a bunch of suspicious edits and we look at that and be like, yeah, throw them out. Like, no, I'm not. Right. That's no, I, understand. I talk about ask questions specifically right. to this. Like you I, I put DNROI on it. It's just like you're going to hire people. You're going to like this is a 40 hour a week thing for the next month until this is done. I want every single name looked at in detail and I want to report. That's me. That's what I would want to see happen. Right. And well, that is handled by by Troy and by Foley, et cetera, internally. Right. And then they bring it up to us when they have something where they feel it's something that the board should look at. And then they present all the evidence and so forth to us. And that's that's just much as I see. I've on my own and got into trouble for this, but I've on my own looked into others. But the problem comes in as to how to prove how to prove that it's that it is, you know, not a legitimate edit or that it wasn't changed by somebody else or that it wasn't a classifier where the guy reshot the classifier over and over and over because we weren't oh. trying to get a phenomenal sport. I'm just being very general yeah, now. Yeah. Think, but I mean, you can, like, to me, again, this is just me, if you see a suspicious number of edits with somebody and the organization, I mean, the organization communicates to that person, like, hey, 
there's all these edits, like what's going on here? You need to explain this. Then they look at the story that person tells or the explanation that person gives and then figure out like, is does this make sense? Is this credible? Should we look further? So basically you're gonna figure it out by asking questions. Right. Um, sitting and not asking questions. Well, yes, you are assured you're not gonna learn anything doing that. Right, well, but, or a lot of people I mean, actually think the USPSA is admin about it because of uh, delayed communication is an issue too, I think. So people nowadays use social media to, you know, bring up the issues and like this COVID-19 announcement kind of thing too, uh, there people started tagging USPSA before the official announcement. And before the official announcement, people think USPSA isn't really doing any work because of lack of communication. So I think the timing of the communication actually makes people feel that USPSA is not doing anything. And when people start tagging them and telling them, uh, they're giving the response. So I think that's a lack of communication or delayed communication could be one of the issues why people feel USPSA isn't involved in the issues. Right. Well, the COVID thing was a, is, is and was a whole different story. I mean, you know, I sat on the board meeting, we talked about it, you know, having to cancel matches, clubs canceling matches, Rangers canceling clubs matches. It, it largely, that was largely out of our hands. I mean, there really is not much yeah. we could have done, even at our own club. So. You know, I don't know if that wasn't maybe that, you know, I thought that Foley communicated that well. You know, he put out that statement. Uh, I think they put it out on front side, put it on their Facebook page. Um, I believe they emailed it out as well, but I can't remember exactly. Um, but I mean, I saw it in two or three different places. And, and obviously we saw it as the board as well. There really was no at that time. I think there was like what mid-March, if I remember correctly. Nobody at that stage knew what was going to happen. And and I'm I'm now of the opinion personally, not as a board member, but personally that this thing is over complete overkill. You know, I think we should get back to shooting and, and get back to doing what we're doing. But you know, they're gonna they're gonna tow the party line and the safety line and the lawyers and all that stuff just like every other business did and just like our entire industry did. We had no choice at that stage. I think that's everybody's expectations that USPSA will kind of advise people to follow the laws that they're supposed right. to follow and and, uh, you know, do the best they can under the circumstance. And that's probably the right position for the organization to be taking, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and, and that is what it is, you know. Let's talk about L10. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, actually, let's talk about L10. So um, uh, area, area 2 candidate Brian Porter, a man that you're running against, uh, he got a, got a say in front sight as well. Yes. And I, I think he got two issues that he wrote about that he felt were really important. One of them. Um, let me read it to you. There are area championships that don't offer all divisions because of a predetermined lack of participation. Area championships are the feeders to the nationals and regardless of division count, all divisions need to be offered. The rules allow them to be uh, to not be recognized with a trophy, but they have to be allowed to shoot. This is one of the, idios, uh, the issues he consider, considers most important in the sport. And that to me seems to speak to Lim 10 or Revolver or something like that. But what do you think of it? Yeah, what do you so, think about so that? That's because the the guys that run the Area 2 Championship, and it's not me, just so we're clear on that, yeah. they elected that there was not sufficient, I think they only had like three or four people, something like that, sign up for Revolver the one year. And so the following year, which was last year, I believe, they decided not to offer Revolver as a division. Um, and there were some people that were unhappy about that, both both outside as well as internally and so forth. But it didn't have anything to do with specifics. It was just basically there's... They are so overwhelmed by the by the numbers. In any case, I think they eventually had, I don't know, 450-ish people in the match, 
and they had about another 150 people that were on a wait list. And so they felt that by cutting out Revolver and did they run L10? I don't remember. Um, but anyway, that was that's what Brian is talking about. You know, that's just a policy decision. The, the club can decide that if, if Brian is area director, then he can you know, possibly uh, talk to the club and see if they'll change it. Uh, it wasn't a hard hitting thing. And it certainly wasn't directed at anybody. It was just a, an internal well, decision. Well, I guess my question is this. Do you view that as one of, I suppose, the two most important issues in USPSA? No. no. Okay. No. But do I think we should have Revolver? Yeah. You could talk me out of it. Should it be in the wheelchair slot allocation? No. Um, should we be running L10? I agree with you guys. You guys talked about this here a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think L10 in the areas where you have to run L10, I think is great. And I think the rest of the matches we shouldn't. Well, shouldn't. I, let me put it. Let me put a question to you. And it's it's something that I I I wonder why I don't hear more people kind of thinking of things this way. Um, I, I hear a lot the attitude where if division rules are you telling people what to shoot you know what i mean where it's like well i don't i don't right. want to tell people what i'm not going to tell these people they can't shoot revolvers so i, I feel uncomfortable deleting revolver as a division would be that that's a viewpoint i hear a lot and okay. what, um what if we flip that around and we view it do you feel like we should have a really small group of people like that telling us what division to recognize or telling us what sort of achievements are are, are important like do i think that it's relevant to the organization, like which of the five revolver shooters that register for an area match, do I do I care which one of them was the best? Not really, because I'm not, you know what I mean? Right. Like, why are we being forced to recognize that as a, as a noteworthy achievement? Sure. Why is that? And the argument can be made, and I know that's what others say, is that who cares? You know, if they, if they show up at the Nationals and there's five or seven, I think one year there was only seven revolver shooters, then sure, let them shoot. Well, My issue, if we're taking well, away slots from other people. But, well, no, hold, hold on. That's... Uh, that's not what I'm saying. It's like I'm not saying uh, that. That's the attitude. The attitude you just expressed is the attitude that I'm that I'm kind of questioning. Where it's like, uh, if I don't view people showing up or signing up for revolver as like I'm not going to let them shoot revolver. That's not what I what I would say. Is like more like why do these guys think that it's an important thing for the organization to recognize which one of them is best? There's five of them. Who cares which one's the best? Is what I'm saying. And to in a in a larger view. If we have eight divisions and like eight division champions, it becomes sort of difficult from a marketing perspective. As an outsider, you look in, you're like, well, there's like eight, there's like eight different winners. Like, I don't, I don't even understand what's happening here. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I think it's prize tables too. They have to have another prize table for revolver and another, you know, I, I think it's just an internal decision, you know, Ben, I, I think each club to their own and each match there. And if you want to have, like, there's a match that I shoot up at Lake Havasu where <laughs> They probably have 10, 12 prizes for senior, super senior, super, super senior, you know, because the majority of the people there are older people. And that's you what find that, that's you find that that's strange. Well, I kind of like winning senior, but, you know, that's <laughs> it's kind of cool when people say, you know, this guy can beat you and he's twice your age. He should be walking around as a walker. You'll see when you get to when you get to like 55, we'll, we'll talk again. So, yeah, I think oh. it's fun. If, they, if the club wants to do that, all power to them. Feel free. All right. All right. Well, I have to say, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. You I mean, always say that. No, I mean, I, I'm actually mean it this time. Usually, I say it's a bang up podcast, but we, but this was an actual dialogue. Like, we really had a, a good chat. Is there anything you would want to say to people, or a message that you'd want to send, uh, probably to listeners of, of, of this? You know, because it's a, it's one more question for you. Can I sneak another one in? Sure. You didn't yeah. bring up the 59 ounce rule. 
Well, I mean, I, I view this as kind of like, it, I, I don't want to just sit here and like just talk, but people know what I think. Like, no one right. gives a shit at this point. So would, it's like, would you prefer if we had no weight limit? Yes, I would. But, so that number was, was, I suggested 60 ounces because, and then the reason was there was a long presentation put on by Jake and it was a good presentation of all the different guns and all the different modules and all this gun matches with that gun. And, and if you, you know, one thing I was nervous about tonight, you asking me is getting into all the technical stuff because that's yeah. my weakness. I'm not a technical dude. That's, I don't that's understand guys. any of that stuff. And you're, you're, no, you guys rock at that stuff. I don't, I just want to shoot. I want to pull the trigger and shoot and have fun. But the, the, the technical side was so overwhelming of seeing all these guns and all these different configurations of them that eventually I just said, you know, why can't we just have one weight that covers Everything. If you want to take your production gun and shoot one stay one match with production, and then put a sight on and shoot the same match a second time around the next day or whatever, <coughs> excuse me. Then why should we limit that? Do you understand? And then also, if a guy and I've actually had this where people show up on a on a at a match, and and we do a thing where we mentor new shooters, right? And I love doing that. New people come in, they come and they get to shoot with me, and it's kind of cool because they don't realize you know how good we are, and then they see I shoot, they're like, holy smokes, you know. This guy can shoot and he's helping us. And I'm like, no, I do that because I enjoy doing that. But then the guy shows up with a gun he just bought from a gun shop and he gets there and he's like, oh, sorry, your gun doesn't make production. It's got to go into limited or whatever. You know, where well, the guy's got to, he thought he could shoot that carry optics, but because of this and that, he's got to shoot in, in open. That was one of the biggest reasons why. And, and I actually suggested 60 ounces. And I think Mike was the one that changed it to 59. But it, to be honest, with hindsight, I guess we should have just said no weight limit. Do well, what, yeah, what, what I would say is, like, if you guys want to have a weight limit, it has to be a weight limit that actually restricts something. Like, 59-ounce weight limit is essentially, like, in practical purpose, it is no, no weight, weight limit. limit. Yeah, so what are we talking about here? Why even, why even like, put a number down or have a guy weigh Like, why even make it an issue if, sure. if that's your goal? That's what I would say. I, and I guess we could have done that. Same way I'd like to see... Like PCC has no restriction to magazine size. You want to run in there with a 200 round mag sticking out the bottom of your gun, feel free. I think we should do the same thing with open. I think who cares about 170 millimeter, 171, whatever millimeter, you know, size. We should, if you want to, if you want to shoot a bigger mag, because most stages are 32 round max anyway, and you can roll, most of us have guns that, you know, we can shoot 29, 30 rounds in a mag. I think those kinds of things should be loosened up. And so without getting into rule stuff, and I did want yeah. to bring this up with you, we know when we change rules, we're trying to make the sport easier, in my opinion. I, that's what I, my goal is, try and make the sport easier for people to understand and, well, you know and not restrict it. And I, I think without getting to specific things, like I think that message, like what you're saying, hey, we want this to be easier, like we want this to be generally less restrictive, like that is community, that, that would be my read on it from the organization. Like that's kind of been communicated, uh, that's been messaged to, to the, the, uh, the sportsmen in terms of, uh, the, the or, what the organization's been acting on, what they've been doing, the evergreen rule book, like uh, the, the bylaws changing to make it easier to change rules more frequently. Like, yeah, we see that stuff. It's it, like, it's kind of a, uh, the idea seems to be loosen things up, make, uh, make it a little easier on people from both a compliance and an enforcement perspective. We definitely are, are picking up what you're putting down. Like we see that. Okay, got one more question. Do you okay. think somebody should be able to shoot a USPSA match without being a member of USPSA. A club match, yes. I what like. Sport, what other sports are there out there not shooting, but where they allow you to like? I'd fly radar controlled airplanes and I race motorbikes. Not anymore, but I used to. You had to belong to the organization to participate in those events. Yeah. Um, well, to me, it's uh, 
like I look at the situation right now economically, and it's like I, I presume the organization doesn't need the money from these people. No, and this is my idea, by the way. No, nobody at USPSA or, or Mike or anybody brought of up. Course, no, no of course. Um, now, I, I like the idea of everybody being being a member who's shooting. I like the idea of it, but then putting a requirement on it, um, like it's like you're putting this barrier there. So it's like, okay, you have to buy this membership before you try this thing. And like, right, I don't give me one free match or two free so matches. That was, so that was IDPA's policy. And yeah. I think that was, uh, or at least it was back when I started that. And I thought that was reasonable. Like, hey, yeah, give them a free match and then have them join like as rule by rule. I thought that was reasonable. I can't say that I had a problem with that as a as a guy doing the sport. I didn't have a problem with that when I was shooting. Um, I, I mean, it doesn't sound like a huge deal to me, but it's, I mean, if, if that so, were the rule, I have no issue with it personally. What, what problem would that fix? Because USPSA is still getting the activity fee from a non-member participant and a member participant, right? So if you guys decide to have me back again where we can continue this discussion in more detail, I'd be happy to get into that. But I, I have a just a straight mathematical thing that I, I would I would like to look into whether or not it's viable for us to abandon classifier fees and rather go for just straight memberships. Now this is a hundred percent my thing. Nobody puts yeah. me to this. Um, I because there is definitely resistance from clubs. I mean, it's probably the number one complaint I hear from clubs that you know, they owe USPSA money or, you know, they got to pay their fees. Now, I will tell you, I don't think paying a dollar or two dollars or three dollars or whatever it is for a classified fee is a significant number. If you can't, if you as a, as a shooter can't afford the three dollars that goes to USPSA for the classified fees, you probably shouldn't be shooting. You know, it's the same thing that Ben says. If you're shooting seriously and you don't have a backup gun, you should not be shooting seriously. That's as simple as well, that. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I think the, the issue that you're pointing out is more... Um, with the, the clubs complying with it. And I hear people at clubs, like it's always an issue like, hey, we have to make sure we submit these dues and these these classifier fees. We have to uh, administer all this stuff. But uh, kind of my read on it is that quite a bit easier to uh, facilitate that. It's just mm -hmm. a night. You guys can talk about it another time. Well, that's it. I've got nothing else. Well, this, I, like I said, thank you so much for coming on. If people want to reach out to you and, and I guess talk, like have a conversation with you, because like I said, you're the most vocal guy. Uh, they can find you on Facebook. And uh, are you area two at USPSA.org? That is correct. Yes. Remember, okay. they go to USPSA and then they come to me. So, uh, but I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm all over the place. Yeah, you're so. an easy guy to find. So uh, I do. I, once again, seriously, thank you for coming on. I mean, it, you're welcome. You probably didn't know what you were walking into, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad, was it? I trusted it one thing. I don't yeah. know the other one enough, but well, he's well. He's he's super nice. He yeah. Okay.